Legendary. This is the Revolt Root Podcast, and today I'm having Tracy Matrano on. She ran for Congress in the 23rd Congressional District against Tom Reed in 2018 and 2020. How are you doing today, Tracy? I'm great, Ravel. How are you? I'm really good, really good. It's a, it's a sunnier day today. It's about 71, so we're looking good. Um, but yeah, let's jump right into it. So what was your run like in 2018 and 2020? against uh, a seasoned candidate like Tom Reed, but also a, a rather combative candidate with false ads and a really tough person to campaign against. Um, just what was that like in a general sense? Well, in a general sense, it's an honor and a privilege to run for elected office. You meet so many good and interesting people. Uh, I enjoyed working with people all over this district. And as you know, it's the size of New Jersey. so. And, and it's varied. Uh, I grew up in Western New York and it was great to be back out in Western New York again, working with people in Chautauqua, Cattaraugus, Allegheny area. And I've lived uh, my adult life down in the Southern tier in Finger Lakes. So it really covered my life in a way. And it was great to re-experience that. Um, it was very frustrating, however, to run against a candidate that cannot, will not, and does not run on issues. He just runs on a formula where you create a straw man of your opponent, and then you spend upwards of a million dollars attacking that person through television mostly, but also radio, digital, and direct mail. Uh, we never addressed issues. In the primary in 2018, that was quite extended, both in terms of uh, 12 people running and over the course of many months, uh, that was much more interesting in terms of talking about issues and debating them. But uh, it's really, it's a false politics to run against someone like Tom Reed. And then uh, to learn, you know, of the hypocrisy that is obvious to me now is revealed to everyone. We can see it's a waste of people's time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of effort because the people themselves, and that's who elected people are supposed to represent, uh, do not have a chance when you've got a corrupt politician like Tom Reed representing you, indoctrinating you, and then failing to actually do anything for you. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. You ran a clean campaign. Uh, so what I mean by that is Tracy could have basically said, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff about 
representative right. read and i'm gonna i'm gonna spill the beans yes. or as some of the kids say i'm gonna spill some tea uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, she would basically you know she could have come out with all this and she didn't because she run, you're trying to run a good campaign trying to run an issue-based campaign uh you're trying to run a campaign that helps people's lives and makes it better yes and representative yes yeah yeah i mean exactly and representative reed frankly and a lot of republicans don't do that it's it's uh whatever can get the voters fired up um what can ever you know spark using race ethnicity using the border using using whatever they can to uh make everything as simple as possible on a one track mind so you can just basically react um and it's not making life better yeah disingenuous exactly this kind of politics um there are three words that i use to describe it if i may rambo they are uh, lies i mean the number of lies that somebody told about me are <laughs> legend uh they are histrionics and that goes to some of the points you were just making about uh distending issues that we need to address immigration would be a good example and their fear mongering which is what you also just talked to and that is the formula the straw man attack the straw man put a lot of money behind it and then uh lie be histrionic throwing bricks you know i allegedly uh threw bricks uh, through tom reed's campaign window and then went on his driveway with a rat tied around it festooned with a noose which is a right-wing trope not even someone well i'm a centrist but you know if he wants to think of someone from center left it, it's a right-wing trope i mean it was so obvious it's but it's so ridiculous and uh, again it's the people who are not being served and i experienced witnessed her real need in this district one in four children went to bed hungry before the pandemic before the pandemic uh, the people want economic revitalization of this beautiful place. They're never going to get it from someone like Tom Reed, who, who votes against. And then you think of even some of his own issues for uh, supporting law enforcement. I have two stepsons who are uh, deputy sheriffs. My family is from a law enforcement military background. To, to suggest that I want lawlessness, when he is the one who has been voting against municipal support during this COVID. And of course, it's our municipalities that pay our police and safety and fire and so forth um, is just a ludicrous hypocrisy. And the people are the ones who lose the most. Yeah. And you see that now with, you know, Republicans voting against the American Rescue Plan. Yes. With them. Yes, exactly. And and that's the thing. That's, that's the next part we're going to get into is the fact that he so basically, he, he's so critical of, of everybody else who have uh, committed atrocious acts, as he should be. Um, the hypocrisy again kicks in. He says, you know, I'm, I, I, I assaulted someone, basically, uh, but I did so uh, because I'm an alcoholic. And that, to me, is, is troubling in and of itself. Uh, anyone who has an addiction problem, obviously... If you admit that and you're seeking help, power to you. Yeah, you're getting help for yourself. That's what you should do. But to blame a to blame an assault on alcoholism like that and should just not take any responsibility and basically say, hey, that's not me, that's the alcohol. 
Um, that's wrong, frankly. And, and he should resign because he's admitting it. Uh, and, and there should be a full investigation into Representative Reed as well. And I think you're on the same page with me there. I am about the investigation. Um, you know, I, I can be, as, as I hope everyone is, compassionate for the person, but we can still be critical of the politician. If Mr. Reed had come out in 2017 when this assault allegedly occurred and said, look, I've made a terrible, terrible mistake, and this mistake is uh, causing me to reckon with uh, an addiction problem I have. I'm going to seek treatment. Would you please just stand with me while I go through this initial period and, and then I dedicate myself to uh, being a better person and being accountable and responsible. I, I think he would have had everyone's support. But to, in the 2018 cycle, Rahul, his first salvo about me, especially in the Western part of the district, is that I was a drug addict. And then that I wanted injection sites on every street corner, free heroin in the district. Uh, and he was, and he did put forward a bill in Congress, death penalty to drug pushers. When he now wants us to excuse him, and I think that's where you were going, uh, to excuse him for his behavior and his failure to be honest with us and accountable in real time. He's got a great PR firm that wrote an excellent press statement that he issued through his press medium and has not been in public to speak to it. I mean, once again, I don't expect much from Mr. Reed because I think he is so dissolved in his blind opportunism and his hypocrisy. Like imagine a different kind of representative, how he could have helped the thousands of people in this district with addiction problems, especially the opiate addiction that he failed to show up and even vote for the funding of the Emergency Opiate Act that was a piece of Trump legislation and he couldn't show up and vote for it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just extraordinary. And it, there's no uh, genuine atonement or contrition or respect to the people of this district to say, I'm not gonna run again. And then followed up with saying, well, I already promised I wouldn't run again. So, okay, I guess that's a wash. And then I'm not gonna run for governor. Who does he think he's kidding? The Republican party in the state of New York does not want a third tier damage candidate. They told him, <laughs> you don't have an ice cubes chance in hell, buddy. Get <laughs> off the bandwagon. Exactly. I mean, Selden is, uh, he's the, from the uh, Long Island area. He always has been the front runner. And then if anyone else is gonna pop up, it's Stefanik in the Adirondack region. Um, there's nothing, there's really nothing there. And unfortunately, that has been the truth of his representation for the 23rd district for the last 11 years. There's nothing there except his own blind ambition and his desire to try to snow people over, whether it's as a Tea Party member or then trying to champion bipartisanship when it does nothing in the problem solvers caucus and nothing ever gets done. And there's no bipartisanship. Look at his votes. He's not bipartisan. Yeah. And whenever anyone says they're, I'm super bipartisan, look exactly, look at their record. They, that says it all. You can, 
actions mean more than words. You can say, oh, I'm bipartisan. I'm ready to come. I'm ready to come to the table and basically let's let's do this. Uh, but right. when they when you're voting against it, no. Arguing to feed those one in four children who go to bed hungry every night. He loves to go to the food pantry, especially the one in Olean. And, <laughs> but this is the, the problem. I, I mean, I am so grateful and I know the people in the food pantries from Chautauqua all the way to the Southern Tier uh, Food Bank. They're wonderful people. But why in the United States of America, when we have some of the best, most fertile land and the industrial ability in agriculture to produce more than enough for people, that we are not feeding each other, helping ourselves in a market system. Uh, but he does nothing to vote for the legislation that would actually help us. The COVID bill that uh, uh, was passed in 2019, he voted against and he voted against the Rescue Act, the second COVID bill in, under the Biden administration. These are all measures to help feed people, help people get back to school, help our law enforcement and other security forces uh, at the local level remain strong, help our small business people and he votes against these pieces of legislation that really make a difference in people's lives yeah and the fact that he basically says you know tracy metrano's a drug dealer uh that's unbelievable to hear that's drug just addict. I, drug I addict drug addict i apologize any, any um, relationship with narcotics yeah is a ludicrous statement about me i have been a professional my entire life after I was in college, I went to graduate school and earned a doctorate. And I'm already in 1981, beginning to teach younger people as a teaching assistant. And then I started having my own classes in about 1984. I have taught thousands of people throughout this district from Buffalo to Binghamton, literally. And the idea, I mean, so I've been in the public eye. It may be in higher education and now politics, but I have been a public person. I went to law school at excellent law school, Cornell Law School. In 1992 to 1995, I stayed in the uh, central and western New York Finger Lakes area because having grown up in Rochester, I was the only child who could take care of my parents when they aged and died. And I was there to do that. In other words, I have been in the public uh, all these years. I was president of the Student Association when I was in college. Uh, you know, so it's not as if I've been hiding in a corner and just came uh, out from under a rock. I have been public. And the idea that I am involved in organized crime and narcotics is is totally ludicrous. Yeah, to complete. I mean, that's completely ridiculous. Throwing rocks at his house. Yeah, and, and that. I mean, come on. It's just everything is... I had a reputation at Cornell University. I was what's known as the DMCA officer. That is the person when file sharing was in its height before media became available through streaming or through iTunes legally. I, I was uh, the bad guy who had to deal with the students who, I mean, so I have been more on the side of law enforcement and law and order, uh, you know, than on this crazy, crazy, but that's the formula, create a straw man, attack it, lie, be histrionic and fear monger. And, and, you know, if you want to see it from that perspective, what you said is absolutely right. It, it, it catches people, they're anxious about drugs, they're anxious about addiction. And so you just paint that picture and, you know, which is put together by big money, money in these media firms in DC 
and uh, they they know what's going to cause people to pay attention. And um, you know, he just does it over and over again. He did it really hard on me, I must say, in the 2018 and 2020 campaign. Yeah, and just to, just to close this part, people who are living in these districts, like you said, one in four children go to bed hungry. Mm-hmm. Stop voting against your interests. Yeah. Start researching the candidates. Um, look at what's going on. Look at what the results are. Look at what the voting record is. Who's yeah. voting for you to have a better life? Who's voting for you to have uh, the basic simple things in life and improve? And you can yeah. really see that with the coronavirus pandemic. Um, yeah. But to move on to a top... In one more area, if I might, Robert, the number one thing that this district needs, apart from taking care of people who are hungry, basic food and and housing insecurity, it needs the internet. (laughs) That series of tubes that has changed the global economy and is virtually missing in most of our district. We will not bring back jobs. We will not move into the 21st century without the internet. And he held up the only bill that has come before him in his tenure here that could, and and in some places like Gates County where I live has made a difference. He held up the 2018 Farm Act that had money for network connections in it. He doesn't even tell his Republican dominant legislatures around in the district. I went to my legislature in Yates and said, go get the money, but he held that bill up. Do you know why? Because he wanted to restrict food stamps in a district where one in, chil- one in four children, the national average is one in six, it's one in four for us. And he held that bill up, which helps with food stamps, but it also helps with bringing the internet and has since voted against the two other pieces of legislation, these COVID acts that also include money that could be used for it. This is how we're gonna revive the place. And he's voting against its interest. I just wanted to give you an example of your no, that's that's perfect. It's basically saying go hungry and you're not going to have any internet either. So even if you do want to research the inter- in, uh, basically the issues, you're not going to be able to. And I think that brings us to our next point really well of uh, the local media. And what was that like? What was your opinion of the local newspapers and how they did covering your race and in many ways the bias towards a Republican candidate? Well, there are some individual exceptions, but you asked me about the media, so I will speak to that. <clears throat> I, find, I find that it is largely starved. It's owned by these large companies, Gannett, for example, and, uh, or, or there's another one out in uh, the Western part of the district. I can't remember the name right now, but it's uh, is owned by uh, corporate interests down in West Virginia that uh, starve the place of the ability to do any real reporting. So what the people who are doing the job of three and four journalists, sometimes a single journalist is responsible for, you know, all these areas from sports to politics and uh, just to keep up, they need access and they need quick, ready, fast and cooperative access. And that is what the congressman gives, of course, then using that access that he's bequeathing in order to maintain his message. Uh, but it, it really is unable to be uh, more investigative. In, in other words, looking into what he's saying and, and then saying, well, gee, you, you said, you know, you think that bill that's going to bring half of the children out of poverty uh, is a good idea, but you voted against it. 
you know, come on, reconcile that for me, Mr. Reed. And they don't, they can't, they don't have the time. So I'm going to use one word, they're incurious. And that is really bad for media to be incurious because it, part of democratic republic relies on a very active, curious, and investigative journalism. It's just part of how democracy works. And we don't have it, by and large, in the 23rd district. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you can, if you have, if anyone who's looking to invest in a paper or a media source, do it, do it, do it, because you need just a nonpartisan newspaper source. We need it in these places. We need it in, you know, I've heard from other candidates that even major newspapers in Buffalo and it's tough. They're, they're underfunded and they don't have a lot of money and they're trying to sell papers. So they don't fact check. They don't look, they don't try to make it easy on, you know, the reader, but rather they just print things and then say, okay, this is what they said. Um, right. Like you said, they're doing the job of three or four people. So it's almost impossible to fact check, but any, you know, anyone who's wealthy enough to be able to create a paper should do it please do it, especially in small towns, because that's what people trust the most. They trust their local paper. Yes. And that has to happen. If I were a wealthy person, I would fund a chaired position at, gosh, I don't know what's central to the district, maybe Alfred, uh, a really good chair in this kind of journalism. Uh, Frank uh, Bruni of the New York Times, who's been writing for them for more than 30 years, I think, uh, is now going to a special chaired position. I believe it's at Duke University. And that is what we need, more investment of people who really understand the role that journalism and journalists could, should, and must play in our democratic republic and uh, re-enliven uh, communication courses with this kind of investigative, curious journalism. So I think you've got an excellent point. I support it 100%. I wish I had, I wish I had the money to write you a big check. <laughs> Same here. I, I wish I had the money as well. I mean, that's, we, we just got to keep pushing for it. But that's, that's yeah, you know, the other, the other thing is, I mentioned it before, the American Rescue Plan, this infrastructure plan, the Biden administration is putting forward. Um, what, what is your opinion of it so far? And what can they do if there's any certain bills you think they should pass uh, the, when you were running for Congress that you think is essential right now? Um, how, first, how do you think they're doing? And second, how do you think that, you know, what they can do more going forward? I would have voted for the Rescue Act for sure. Uh, I'm not fond of when either party has a bill and then they start tacking on all of this other stuff, you know, their favorite legislation. I, I, I'm not fond of that Republican or Democratic. So were there some things in that bill that I, you know, rolled my eyes? Uh, yes. Um, and, and I wish that we had a better system so that that doesn't exist. But unfortunately, I guess that is how the cookie crumbles in Congress. Um, I uh, also, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the infrastructure plan because one of the main issues, and I've already talked about it, is getting the internet out to people in this district. I, I work in information technology and have for 20 years now. Uh, and, and I have looked at policy issues from the physical layer, which is this basic infrastructure, right on up to information literacy and how people are using the internet and how it 
uh, can foment some of the extremism that we have now experienced in this country and also how it could encourage uh, critical thinking and education in its best sense. So in that vein, I am 100% behind the infrastructure bill. I hope they don't litter it with a lot of these little pet projects because it just gives the opposing side more ammunition to go against it. What we need is everyone to be for it. It will create jobs. It will better our roads. Where do you live, Rabo? Because you know we need a road that's going to go from like Allegheny and Cattaraugus up to Buffalo. What is it, 219? Yeah, so. It's a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and get it in the winter. But people need that. I bet people are in Allegheny, um, Belmont maybe, or Wellsville, or you know, you name the town, Friendship. And they need to get to Buffalo for diagnostic tests. They need to go to Roswell for cancer treatment. And, you know, to have to go over those roads that, you know, make you feel like you're in the, the covered wagon age is <laughs> beneath the dignity of the tax pay that we taxpayers give. We want that money coming back. You know, that is another thing about Tom Reed, if I was. He never brought any money back. We're paying all these huge taxes. Now, I did see uh, Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul walk around with checks to uh, areas. I know uh, where I live, Penyan got one and uh, Olean got one and you know several places. So it, was that enough? No, we want five times that, but at least someone's walking around with checks. And yeah. Tom Reed, he didn't bring anything back. And let me say something very serious about that. There's something called earmarks and the Tea Party, which Tom Reed came in on that wave, wanted to get rid of earmarks. Earmarks are where a congressperson goes in and gets money for your district. And it, it, it's made possible by the creation of these, these uh, vehicles called uh, earmarks. The Biden administration has reintroduced earmarks. It's, you have lazy congresspeople without them, just like Tom Reed, didn't do anything. All he did was oversee the transfer of that money from the federal government, Department of Energy, up to West Valley. And you know, any congressperson is going to be in charge of that. It's not like he went and, and did anything great about it. It was a problem before the required federal funds. It's a problem after he's gonna leave office. Uh, he never did anything to really fight for money so that we could improve our infrastructure in this district. So yes, I am for that bill. I hope they keep it nice and clean. It's gonna create jobs. It's gonna create opportunity. And we absolutely need it in order to uh, move this district from, you know, the mid 20th century is where a whole lot of it is stuck. And time has forgot places like Savona and Tyrone. Bet you never heard of them and you probably wouldn't even know them if you drove through them. But <laughs> it's time that all of these places had a chance. And if, if we're not gonna get our tax money back in order to revive the place, people don't have a chance. I 100% agree. And I was just thinking when you were saying that going through Allegheny County, especially um, when whenever we when we were in the state Senate race and we were going from freedom to anywhere in Allegheny, I would say, all right, buckle up. It's going to be one hell of a ride because <laughs> yeah. you would go down a dirt road or, you know, a road that just was not paved really. It, it was paved, but it wasn't paid for the last like three to five years. And you just yeah. see these giant, giant potholes. I mean, it was, it, it needs to be improved. We I mean, Route 19 literally have okay, crumbling infrastructure. The minute you get off of Route 19 in Allegheny County, you take your- It's a mess. 
car's life into a ta- into your hands, right? <laughs> yeah, and I've I've I I had holes in my muffler in my last car, so that's proof to show that you know <laughs> there there <laughs> there's some major problems with our roadways, and we need this infrastructure bill. Um, yeah. And I I noticed also you mentioned the part about information, uh, and if I, I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. Yes. So yeah. when it comes to that, and I, I'm pretty sure that's a part of this, would be our elections. And I know you talked a lot about it in 2018 and 2020 and making sure our elections uh, are secure and that we're able to have as much voting access as possible. So we're not you know, discriminating on certain groups, but we're also with that technology, we're not able to have a massive amount of Russian disinformation like in 2016. And they are finding, I'm pretty sure I saw a Washington Post article or a New York Times article recently that said Russians once again were trying to interfere. Uh, there was some good roadblocks in the way, but they weaseled their way through. Uh, what can we do better with you know, not having information, disinformation out there, number one? And number two, what can we do to make voting easier? Can we use technology to make voting easier? And could we do it through, you know, Kind of like, could you vote on your computer eventually? Do you think that's the future? Or do you think it'll always be in person? Um, what's the path forward there? Well, let me answer the second question first. Um, I would absolutely not put anything materially relevant to voting, including voter lists, as well as votes themselves on the internet. The internet is fundamentally insecure. And people who work in information security, which I do, you never promise, you never expect you're gonna hit perfection. It's really, it's risk management. And so something as precious to our democratic republic as voting, don't put it on an insecure foundation. It's as simple as that. Uh, I do think that we can explore other ways to make voting more convenient. And we did during this pandemic. Uh, One of the most secure, notwithstanding Mr. Trump's BS, one of the most secure means of voting that has already been proven in states that have had mail-in voting for years is that, is mail-in voting. They get higher uh, response and it has proven to be extremely secure. So that is something that New York should really look into. Um, Also having more days available. So this all was true in, 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 and by the way, so in this district, what did it result in? It resulted in Trump winning. He won by by uh, 11 points, 15 points, something like that. So, you know, if someone wants to say, oh, this is a lot of uh, democratic uh, inspired uh, thought and it's gonna mean the Democrats are gonna win. Well, not not when you have a majority of Republicans. Uh, People came out to vote who haven't voted in decades. And they were able to do so because the poll was open on on a Saturday. Uh, people voted because they they don't have transportation and they sent it through the mail and we had you know you no issue uh, voting I'm trying to remember there's an exact word I can't think of what it is you know you didn't have to claim that you were ill or going to be out of town you know kind of no cause mail in voting um, I'm for all of those methods I'm absolutely for making sure that they are all secure. And I think that's what New York State now needs to explore uh, within our state legislature. And perhaps there's a commission that could really look at instituting some of the changes that we did for the pandemic to make them universal uh, in voting going forward. The other issue, uh, I don't know, you know, how many days you have, but we could talk about it for a long time. (laughs) But I'll just let me just hit on some high level points. First of all, if 
if our government, and this includes Democratic administrations as well as Republican administrations, um, the weakness of the Democratic administration under Obama, for example, is to let the big internet companies call the shots. So there are laws already on the books that could have addressed the Russian interference in our election in 2016 that they just kind of let Facebook in particular get away with. Uh, when you do a paid advertisement, the company that is doing that advertising for you, let's call it the uh, Hornell Evening Tribune, they have to report that to the FEC. I have to report that as a candidate through my FEC filing and, and show where the money's coming from, who are the people donating to my campaign, and then where that money is going. And then the Tribune also has to report that they did this. All this money that was coming in, Russian money, rubles, going to create these false pages that, that propagated all of this disinformation, intentional, this wrong information, disinformation, um, was, was being paid for if you followed the money back in rubles. It is illegal for any foreign entity. I taught in Italy for six years. My friends over there would have loved to have, you know, sent a little something just to support. They can't. You can't have foreign people doing anything material involved in your campaigns. So if, if the Obama administration, when the uh, FEC called Facebook in in 2011 and said, you're not reporting your political advertisements. Oh, it's so hard. The internet's so complicated. We can't do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, uh, they don't want to create the administrative structure that it takes. And so now fast forward, we're making laws that already exist with enforcement. We are also watching Facebook and I'm using them as an example. They're obviously not the only one. Uh, create this oversight board all right, it's a trust, like he's already given the money. What was it, 15 million or something? But you know, we'll see how that plays out. People who then can make determinations as to whether an individual who has long been known to foment this kind of disinformation, such as Mr. Trump, uh, is knocked off. You lose your privileges. Uh, there were many people, and I, I think I know who in Mr. Reed's campaign was behind this, creating false, false profiles in our campaign here in little old 23rd district with these false uh, profiles of people that would then come in and comment on something that we were doing. I just started hitting the report button all the time to Facebook. Yeah. And in 2020, they paid attention. And then, you know, most of them were knocked off. Uh, but in other words, it happens even in local races. It's not that hard to create a false profile, but it is a violation of Facebook's terms of service. It could also, according to some prosecutors, be a violation of the Fraud and Abuse Computer Act of 1986. That's a whole other conversation. But in other words, we're all playing with a lot of laws that already exist. And where we don't have laws, uh, we need to do something more. I'm a big champion, and I'll end on this note, even though, again, we could talk a long time on the subject. Um, I believe that the FCC, maybe some of the FTC, and the education department, but especially FCC and education, should get together and create really good basic curriculum to push out in our K through 12, certainly our fourth through 12 environment, to help young people learn about the internet and you know how it runs what what the money streams are the giving up your information on facebook is 
you are not the customer, the advertiser is the customer, you are the product. We need to make sure that people understand how all of these things work so that again, we can't expect people to discharge their obligations as a citizen as well as their rights. That's that's a great point. That's so, I totally agree with you because especially on the data point where people are like, you can, you can buy my data or how do you know that I, you know, how do you know that I live here? This is my phone number. Well, you know, you gave it to this website, which then sold it to this place, which then sold it to this place. And it's like, more, you're exactly right. More people need to have the opportunity to be educated about it because the people would run, uh, people would run the internet so much differently than they do right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll close with that, but thank you so much for coming on Tracy. It was a really real privilege to talk to you and I really appreciate it. It's great seeing you again, talking with you again. You did a great job when you were uh, active in politics. I remember you and I love what you're doing now. Good luck to you and let's stay in touch. But I know a change gonna come